0: Hey, what's going on everybody? Welcome to Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. And I'm here with my lovely wife, Dr. Alicia Watkins. How are you doing today, babe?
1: I'm pretty good. How are you tonight?
0: Doing good, doing good. We just watched um mm-hmm. about what two and a half episodes or three episodes of the Colin Kaepernick documentary. Uh, uh I think it's Colin Kaepernick in black and white or something like that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were watching this thing by Colin Kaepernick and I And we thought it would be kind of fun to like for people to hear from like two nerdy black professors, um, you know, in terms of what we were seeing in this documentary. Um, And I think it's also interesting because like our our educational backgrounds are different, right? Like you are in social work, and I'm in finance. So we sometimes see things different. And also, I'm a man; you're a woman, which is quite evident as we lay here in the bed together.
1: Yeah, it is. Yes, it so, is. So what struck out is, with you? Anything um, in particular? Oh, look, look who's in here.
0: Yeah, we got a lot of people. Sherwin and yeah. Adrena and Vince and Brock. Brock said that shit was funny as hell.
1: What was I grew funny? Up in that
0: environment. He said the the Colin Kaepernick thing.
1: Oh, okay. What was funny about the Colin Kaepernick?
0: It was It was, it was well done.
1: Yeah, it was well done.
0: Yeah, like I feel like I, I like I feel like Cap. I mean, you know, it's like a, it's interesting to watch. That's what I thought. What would you think?
1: Yeah, I like watching docu series. So it's it's like he's narrating, but he's also like sitting there watching himself as a child. I like I just like that, and then commenting on it. It's like he's watching it with us, and we're sitting down with Colin Kaepernick having a conversation about his life.
0: Oh, it's
1: pretty. It's pretty interesting to see that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it seemed like he, um, you know, I, I, it was interesting, right? Like, you know, Colin, it was interesting just to hear him
1: talk. Yeah, because we never hear him speak. Like, all the time, um, the, all the controversy, I think it's kind of died down now. Are we now standing for the um, Star-Spangled Banner? Or are we not? What's going on now with Football Boys?
0: Um, I think the Kaepernick protester. are... Protests I don't know what do y'all think? I mean, is is, this, is the Kaepernick him. stuff still happening? Like, is that done, the protest? Like I, I don't know. I, it
1: seemed like it all kind of died down at the end of Trump's presidency, but I don't know. That's it so just, true. That's a good point. <laughs> it just it's kind of cool that we finally hear his voice. Mm. We finally hear what he has to say. And then not only that, but we get a picture of the very dynamic sort of experiences he had as a child growing up with adopted parents did not know he was adopted at all i thought yeah i thought that maybe his mom like had him with the black guy and then married this man you know it didn't feel like a parental situation
0: well his mama Mm -hmm. they presented his mama like like she was like a a borderline clueless white woman
1: she really was clueless. she was they were kind of aloof to some of the experiences that he was going through, it's like if you're gonna adopt a black child, you know, transracial adoptions, you should get into the world of black people more often. It's like they—they they really. She just was like, "Oh, is this how hair works?" Or, "Is where's the barbershop? It's in the back of the store." Like, <laughs> yeah, but the way he—I portrayed- know a lot of white people didn't know about black culture way more than that. Mama did. Well, you know, the way they
0: portrayed <laughs> it was that his mother first of all, let me give you the background. His okay. uh, father, um, nobody knows who his father is. Like they, they were wow. like his daddy, some dude that just, you know, got his mama pregnant. His mama's name was Heidi and Heidi, <laughs> um, put him up for adoption. They, Heidi broke up with the daddy, um, before Colin was born. Okay. And then, um, when Colin was five weeks old, his mom would put him up for adoption. So, you know, I mean, if you really want to understand Colin Kaepernick, in my view, Mm -hmm. you got to start there, right? Here's a guy who was abandoned by both his parents. So he was like a man without a country.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, he doesn't have any memory of that. Of course, that abandonment, like all he's known, right? all he's ever known are the two parents that he considers his parents. But I mean, Mm -hmm. the glaring fact is that he looks way different from them. I mean, you have any sort of, remote understanding of biology you know that there's no way he could be he could be biologically related to them so it's mm-hmm. kind of like a glaring fact that he was adopted so it's not like he has to come oh i was adopted i had no idea no, if,
0: no but i i, those, I, I mm-hmm. can, but i can tell you as a kid who was adopted i was adopted my mother was with me my whole right. life mm-hmm. but my father was not there and it wasn't so much that i i don't remember my father not being there you know right. the guy that raised me was is my dad it's more like you look at that those cousins you have and and stuff, and you know they're not your biological blood relatives. Mm-hmm. So you can feel detached.
1: You do feel, and detached. and
0: you, you've mentioned that. I think you've, you've actually diagnosed me with some sort of attachment disorder because I told you how I don't even remember. I don't even keep that many friends. Like I like if you ask me a name, like. Five friends I had in college, I can't name five friends from college. A lot of people know me from college, you know, because I became more famous or whatever. But I don't remember, I just, every step of my life, I just moved on. It was like, I didn't feel like I needed to stick around Mm -hmm. anywhere.
1: Okay. So I don't know if it's related to you being adopted by your father, but I think what's important is that you did have a biological mother and she had her family that you are genetically related to. But what I think is really interesting is that you did have a biological father who lived right there in that same city yeah. that you grew up in. So I'm like always kind of curious as to, okay, so things didn't work out with your biological father, but you had all these other family members right there in the city. So I was like curious yeah. about like, how is it? I guess that's a question I'd have to ask your parents. Like, how is it you never really connected with those individuals? Cause not everybody is bad. Right? Um,
0: that's true, but I mean it's like what you're comfortable with. And mm-hmm. the reason I say all that is because I, I wonder if Colin because I'ma just tell you, like, I like Colin Kaepernick, right? I like what he's trying to do. I just am not completely convinced that what Colin Kaepernick was doing with his protests was very effective.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I'm going to tell you, I agree with you. I think that, um, I think this documentary is way more effective than the protest was. <laughs> like, it, the documentary, like, he starts the documentary with, like, some real facts about, you know, something historical. So we are, we've we only seen three. Is, have you seen three episodes so far? I think it's yeah, only like, three.
0: like two and a half.
1: Two and a half. And so it just looks like it begins, like, really powerful at the beginning of each episode, he's given facts. Yeah. He's given really interesting information. Like the second episode, so this is a spoiler if people hadn't seen it. So you might want to watch this with caution. But um, the second episode in particular, I mean, he talks about you need this white stamp of approval in order to be accepted. And what's pretty interesting is that the white stamp of approval has to come from the very people who are taking care of him.
0: Yeah, but mm-hmm. here, here's the thing. Um <clears throat> what I see when I see Colin's documentary is it reminds me of another movie called Dear White People. And mm-hmm. the where Colin and I are not the same, ideologically. Doesn't mean I doesn't mean I dislike Colin. I think Colin's great, but he reminds me of myself when I was in my twenties too. When mm-hmm. I was when I was in my twenties, I used to think everything was about what white people think about us right everything's about proving white people wrong everything microaggressions why are white people looking at me like that why are white people talking to me like that why 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 won't white people give? why me can't
1: t- i eat that apple like everybody else right i ate apples <laughs> i can't have ice cream <laughs> right right <laughs> yeah he got he had the part
0: where he got mad because they wouldn't give him extra ice cream like they gave the white boys he
1: was like, keep your funky ice cream
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and, I, and and the thing was and there was a whole lot of conversation about uh-huh. you know white people don't like my hairstyle White people don't like my music. Yeah. And and then I, there was a point when I was maybe in my 30s right. where it hit me. And I was like... Who gives a fuck what white people think?
1: Well, see, that's the interesting. I think that Colin Kaepernick would agree with you. Like, if he was listening to this now, maybe he will. I don't know. He would agree with you, boys. He would say, "Yeah, I really don't care anymore, but I used to care." Like, no, I he, think, he
0: does care. I don't
1: think he does. I
0: think he does because the whole documentary. I is think about, he did. You no, know, the whole documentary is about white reactions to black culture. That's what, like, that you could summarize seventy percent. Uh, and I'm not criticizing. I'm not uh-huh. complain. I'm not. I'm not in any way. Dis- I'm just saying um, uh-huh. that people don't, I think people don't quite understand that when you're obsessing over what white people think about this and what they think about that and what white people did and what white people are not doing, that's a type of white supremacy right there.
1: Okay. Like so- that's,
0: that's honoring white people by, by caring about their opinion. They Think about this. I ask everybody, give me a yes or no. Yes or no. Do white people sit around wondering what we think? Do white people sit around wondering <clears throat> why we don't approve of them? Do white people sit around and say, gosh, black people, they I was playing my country music and I had my Trump flag and black people, black people, they just get so mad because, because I play country music. But they don't do that because they don't give a shit.
1: Yeah. So I think um, I think you're right about that. I think colin Colin Kaepernick is probably agreeing with you, but I think what is what's happening in this documentary is that he's telling his story, so all of us have this story too, you know similar yeah. story. think about it. I mean he's the only black person in his whole family <laughs> you know mm-hmm. he here he is living there and living in this neighborhood. He made it very clear that you know I went from all-white neighborhood to yet another all-white neighborhood so he's never he didn't really have that sense of identity development that's very important with you know in biracial people and so he's saying that he had to actually release himself from what white people think of him and I'm telling you the story about how I became the Colin Kaepernick that I became so I think it's more of a because I'm really interested to we should do another pillow talk when we're mm-hmm. done with the entire um, docu-series. But I think he's getting to that point where he's he's like right where you are, but he's telling the story about, it's a transition story about how he is starting to develop his own identity.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that, you know, I watched it, it's very entertaining, right? Like I think that the documentary was great.
1: Very uh, intelligently. But, but
0: remember, it's it's like, I don't believe black people are ever going to be free and liberated as long as all we know how to do is to complain about what it's like to be in the white man's cage. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But because remember, like, mm-hmm. you know, this, this, there's a black liberal ideology here, that underscores. So that's why I compared it to dear white people, mm-hmm. dear white people, in my view, from what I've seen of it, is built on this sort of transracial coalition. Cause remember when Dave Chappelle challenged cancel culture, it was one of the executive producers from dear white people a trans person who went after Dave Chappelle because, you know, and, and she went after him because he, he didn't fit the company line. He did sort of fit the white liberal ideology. He was coming in and saying, you know, some mm-hmm. things that they didn't approve of. So that, you know, what, what this is built on it happens a lot on college campuses um, where there is an indoctrination process where black, you have the black student who goes to, you know, Yale mm-hmm. or Brown
1: mm-hmm. and
0: in order to be, you know, in order to be black, they express their blackness by saying, "You know, I'm going to wear my hair in braids." And my professor wanted to touch my hair, and that's so mm-hmm. racist. And and how dare you? And and you're issuing microaggressions, and and you know, and, and homophobia, and you got these weird coalitions and all that. When the reality is that most of that dialogue, that those interactions, in my opinion, have never ever improve the lives of the masses of black people. Yeah, Like, you know, like, like, and that's what I mean. Like, I, I don't think, like, remember Colin, Colin Kaepernick did a very important thing when he got on that one knee and protested, you know, think, brought attention to police brutality. But then there were also people who said, but you, did you, where did the lives of black people actually improve as a result mm-hmm. of the protests? And also when you're protesting in a certain way, you're kind of saying to white people that when you treat us better, that when you all decide to be nice to us again, or, or or for the first time, our lives will improve. So you almost need this white, weird white partnership in order for you to earn your dignity. And I, I just, I just don't necessarily believe I need white people to come along for me to reclaim my humanity.
1: Right, exactly. So you're further along in your uh, racial identity development. So at the beginning, you know, this happens early on for a lot of uh, people of color. I remember reading this. Um, I teach this in, at the university, at the university, voice, mm. And um, we talk about Black identity development. And it really starts with that one moment where that one, because remember he's with his friend, his baseball friend, and like he has this glaring, even with his parents, why is his mom so aloof? Like obvious um, racism, And discrimination that he's like, hello, how come no one else sees this? He feels alone. It's like, I see what's going on. Nobody else around me can see what's happening that this lady won't let me eat this apple or eat the cookie and is glaring um, discrimination happening and there's no one else there to kind of stand up for him. That one incident is the first step in your um, racial identity development. It's noticing racism, turning the television on and noticing the images that you see in the media, which he did talk about in the documentary. Um, It's all of those instances. And then having your white friends who you like and trust and even your mom and your dad, who should be there for you, sticking up for you. They did not do that for him because they didn't see that. And and even in watching the documentary, I remember thinking, God, he needs a black mama because <laughs> a black mama would know what to do with the hair. The black mom would be more in tune with him. The black mom would be like, Hey, you're not going to treat my baby that way. You know, he's going to have somebody who sticks up for him. So the fact that I, I think that he was just so alone in it all make, makes you think that there's, you know, I'm certain he probably felt like, wow, there's something wrong with me. Because everybody around me is not experiencing this, I'm seeing something no one else is seeing.
0: Well, so it's just just part of
1: that development. Okay, (laughs) so let's
0: talk about that. You know, remember Colin is a black kid who was raised in a white family, so he saw how white people lived and probably grew up thinking he was one of them. And then you start. Well, hold on, wait, wait. Let me finish. Mm -hmm. Then you start realizing that you're different, right? And uh, and then you start realize you're you're getting treated different. So I can understand how that would piss you off because right. you're sitting there thinking, mm-hmm. oh, my friends are white. I should be getting treated the same way they're being treated. This is crazy. This is horrible. Right. And and I've seen that. Right. I've seen the black people who become incredibly outraged and become super black when they realize that they're actually black.
2: Right. Like you realize,
0: <laughs> you know, like like if you grow up, but if you grow up kind of knowing, like like when I grew up in Kentucky, I just kind of knew just from my grandmother and grandparents mm-hmm. telling me things i understood being black means white people aren't going to love you as much as they love themselves and it didn't shock me you know whereas i'd have a friend who might think i think about one friend in particular who thought he was white he did what white people did he talked like white people hung around white people so when he experienced real racism he just he was like what is this this is unbelievable this is an outrage and and i was like dude calm down yeah
1: it's it's so funny how um it happens a lot when people go to college. So you get a lot of uh, black kids who go to like predominantly white um, high schools, but they go to college and then they get into their blackness when they in college because they start to get around a little more, more diversity sometimes. And so they're joined the um, what do they join The Black Student Association the black <laughs> and they'll join that. And it is just a necessary partner development and then but eventually you get to the point where you just where you were at the beginning of our conversation where you just like forget it i don't care what they think you know i'm going to do my
0: own thing so yeah. Well, you know, and, and I, I, I kind of feel like, and by the way, you're listening to Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. Uh, my name is Dr. Boyce Watkins, and this is my lovely wife, Dr. Alicia Watkins. And uh, if you want to actually be a Patreon on this channel, you can go to intelligentblackpeople.com. Uh, we like to have smart conversations, or try to, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> uh, about the things that, that we're all seeing in the media. And so so let me let me kind of dive in, like, in terms of what I see with the Colin Kaepernick thing. I think that Um, what my guess on Kaepernick is that, you know, okay, so he's a black kid who grew up with white parents, didn't feel, he, he felt like, felt connected, right? Like they're raising him like a white boy. Um, he realizes he's not white. He realizes he's black. And I I think that that was very hurtful and hard for him. And then there's a lot of things I saw.
1: I would have felt so lonely. I can't imagine how he just... Felt really long. I mean, he did have that one black friend, you know, who seemed to like introduce him to Corn Rolls and Alan Iverson. Oh my goodness, shout out right. to how and he that, really and that.
0: And that that's mm-hmm. Go Let me let me jump in on that, okay? Okay, <laughs> right. So, think about this, right? What are the what are the um, when you talk about what it means to be black? Well, mm-hmm. well, it's a lot of it's very what they call black culture. It's black, right. it's cultural, right? It's your hair, it's the music, it's um, sports. Right. And then it's also maybe something like police brutality. OK, fine. Um, one of the problems with that, though, is that there are lots of manifestations of blackness that don't have anything to do with what hairstyle you have or whether you can dribble a basketball. Right. Um, black, to in my view. Blackness uh, can relate to connecting to your humanity. Right. Just just being a human being. And a human being doesn't have to have cornrows. They don't have to know how to dribble basketball. They don't have to listen to hip hop. Mm -hmm. You're just a human. You just live. And that's it. You know, being black is not the first thing people know about you. And I think that um, as Kaepernick was searching for his Mm -hmm. identity, I feel like he, to some extent, could be defined as one of those biracial people who overcompensates.
1: Yeah, I mean, he definitely, I mean, that now just reminded me, the very first episode began on He talked about media. He talked about mm-hmm. media Im, media's images. He talked about um, football mimicking, you know, slave auctions. Mm-hmm. So he, he is very much aware of the fact that cornrows was part of the black culture that was placed on him yeah. because he began the episode telling you already. I know you're going to talk about cornrows in the media in some sense, but here I'm just telling you where it comes from and how I got suckered in and I played along. Well, there is it's, a, it's really like a confessional well, on the, his part. Well, there mm-hmm. is a
0: deep, rich mm-hmm. oh, God, analysis that can be done on just the way. I like the way he compared the the NFL um, combine to the slave auction, right? Yeah. You know, look at yeah. how big that Negro is, look at how strong he is, look at how, <laughs> how high he can jump. I get that part, right? You know, it's all about sort of for hundreds of years marveling at the physical prowess of the black male. Right. And and then the NFL itself and the NBA is a manifestation of the fact that they used to breed black people like animals. They bred us to make create the superhumans. Yeah. Right. And that's what they don't talk about it. But, but we know what happened. They had entire farms, entire fa- like, like Negro factories where they would just make black people have sex and make babies. Right. So. So here's the thing, though. Right. Let's be clear, though. Being in the NFL ain't no goddamn slave auction. NFL athletes are at the combine because they want to be Mm -hmm. At the slave Mm -hmm. auction. You had no damn choice for the most part, unless your choice was death.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So, so Mm -hmm. that's the first thing. Then the second thing is these dudes are all lined up for the chance to make millions of dollars. I ain't nobody gonna feel sorry yeah, for. Yeah, uh, for,
1: I think so, but I mean, you know, just think about the the life of a foot, a professional football player. I mean, you're in the league not very long. Not many people are well, in t- there. It's very a terrible long. profession. It is. It is well, awful. Well, most players. Go ahead. Sorry. I I just think it's awful all around. I mean, the concussions that people get. Your 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 time in the in the NFL in particular is very short. Maybe a couple of seasons, and you're out. You know, so it's and then you never get those brain cells back from all those concussions. So it's it's pretty hazardous. And I think maybe that's kind of what he was saying. You know, in the sense.
0: I mean. Um, it, mm-hmm. Well, I, I I definitely don't. You know, I wouldn't want my son playing in the NFL. But at the same time, though, let me just say why I stood corrected, or just a little bit, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, At the All Black National Convention, a brother came up to me, and he was super tall. He's about six foot eight. Oh.
2: Gosh, and okay.
0: he he said to me, he said. Dr. Boyce, I, I listen to you all the time and I respect everything, a lot of what you have to say, but I have to disagree with you about what you said about being in the NFL. He said, it's not as bad as you think. He literally said that to me. He said, I played for the he said I played for the Jets and the New York Jets for seven years mm-hmm. and the Patriots for two years. I believe that that's what he said. And um <clears throat> and it turned out, I said, Wait, I guess his position, I guess he was a defensive end. He said, No, he was a tight end. Oh, and, end. Okay. and he basically said, he said, man, he said, you know, I played all, I played 10 years and I'm fine. And a lot of my friends are fine. You know, he OK, said.
2: so, so
1: in <laughs> he's his... fine. You should have asked him to count backwards from know, right? no, but let me tell you, he was
0: a very intelligent brother, very intelligent. Okay. He brought his whole family to the convention. You know, okay. I, and, and so so, you know, so obviously he didn't fit anywhere near any stereotype with a dumb jock or anything like that. And I listened to him and I said, thank you for sharing um, that. Perspective, mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. now, and and so with the thing with Kaepernick as well, you know, when you're talking about, I get that, right? I totally get what he's saying about the the potential comparison, of the NFL to slave auctions, and and the white man's in control, the white man's approval, mm-hmm. right? But you remember, I think Cap made a hundred million dollars from the NFL. You know, and
1: then and then and then his um the Nike contract. Remember, he made right quite Prime, a bit from the right. Nike contract. Yeah, so so I mean. D- That's dude, what he got out of the protest, brother. You got paid, <laughs> you,
0: nigga, you ain't you ain't Kunta Kente. That's what I'm saying. You ain't Kunta Kente. And
1: he got a uh, contract with Netflix. Yeah, it's <laughs> gonna. Do I mean, very my well. man is
0: paid. <laughs>
1: like, okay, you know. So I'm not saying. Well, he could get paid and go away somewhere, but he didn't get paid and go away. He got paid and he's running with it.
0: Well, let me just say, you know what.
1: <laughs> He didn't have to do this documentary. Let me
0: just ask everybody listening. Yes or no? <laughs> Colin Kaepernick made over $100 million. If, if you could trade lives with Kaepernick, <laughs> would you do it? Like, if you could be as rich as him and, and have what he had and go through what he, he's gone through, <clears throat> would you would you make that trade? You know, so so I, I, I would say that, you know, when you're talking about Kaepernick's experience, you got to be real careful about You know, fantasy versus facts, right? Here are the facts. Kaepernick did a great job highlighting police brutality. You know, I thought that was great. I love, you know, for whatever reason he was doing it, I love the way he used his platform Mm -hmm. to draw attention to a very important issue.
1: Yeah, he raised awareness. Just, I think this documentary, he's also raising awareness too. I mean, not everybody knows the history of, you know, hip hop like that. And DJ Herc, or whatever cool Herc. cool Herc. I mean, he really was the founder of hip hop. Like that's just great, well, you know. So he's, right. he's doing a good job there, raising awareness. He
0: did okay, mm-hmm. but let me finish. On. Go, ahead. Right, go ahead. All right, go
1: ahead. I just want to add to what you're saying.
0: Yes, he did. He absolutely did. Okay, he did a good <laughs> job of raising awareness. He did more than most. Mm-hmm. Let's be clear. um I think that the question that I would end up asking though is. You know, how are the lives of black people going to be better and more empowered as a result of just all of this? Right. So, yeah. you know, here's the thing. You know, white people don't love you. Like, like I think that that's if if, if black people would all just agree that white people don't love you, they ain't never going to love you and they ain't got to love you.
1: You are not going to get that white, white people don't owe you love. They are not your goddamn parents.
2: You are
0: so your right. mama owes you love. The white man does not. And I think if you get that through your thick skull, then then we can move forward. Yeah. It's like, yeah. can we all agree? Let's let's just start there. Let's start the basics. Yes, I all do right. agree. Yeah, everybody give me a <laughs> yes in the chat if you agree that white people don't love you and they probably ain't gonna really love you that much. And, and they don't know, owe and they don't, they don't owe you, us. they don't owe you love. <laughs> they don't they you know, you might want to choose to love them. All right, we a lot of us really love some love us some white folks. They I don't feel like they have to love us. A white man ain't got to love me. He's supposed to love his wife. He's supposed to
1: love his kids. That's so true. Okay. You know, I don't. I'm lo- with you on this. Because let's keep
0: it one. Let's keep it 100. No disrespect. If you white, I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings, but I don't love you neither. I don't. I don't hate them. I just don't think about them. I'm thinking. You know what I love? I love you. Yeah, I love you too. Mm, give me a kiss. <laughs> I love our children in the other room.
1: I love those kids.
0: Yes, I love my people. I love your people. I right. love my
1: people. So
0: so <laughs> I think that when you just start there, right? Yeah. Like they don't love you. They don't they don't care about you. They're not going they they don't even owe it to you. Then that takes away ninety percent of the of the racial conversations we have in this country.
1: I wonder how they feel when we ask for reparations.
0: They probably are pissed about it. I know i be <laughs> I'll be like, wait a minute, what do I got to do? with what my ancestors did for 300 oh, years ago. That, I hate that.
2: Right, that's a logical that argument.
0: Right, and that's where that's where being gangster comes into play.
1: That's straight like, gangster. Right, <laughs> like, 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 like
0: children <laughs> suffer for the sins of their parents, right? So, you know, look, I might feel like I ain't got nothing to do with what my granddaddy did to you and your family, but if I'm living in a house that my granddaddy stole from your granddaddy, then I owe you that house. And it's up to you to make me give it back to you.
1: Seriously. No. Make me give it back to you. So, you, mm-hmm. so you're so you not going to... Your I'm heart not, is not going to... No. Be like, no. Oh, my heart, house.
0: My heart will <laughs> never be that big. I'm not giving you <laughs> shit. You're going to have to come take, it. You gotta so, come take it. So when you talk about things like reparations, with white folks, their hearts ain't never going to be big enough to give away $14 trillion. They're, They're
1: not... Not among the right You're going to have to yeah. get
0: gangster. You're going to to be like Joe Pesci and Goodfellas.
1: I love Joe Pesci. Remember that
0: scene? Famous scene where he said, F you, pay me. F wait, you, pay me.
1: You remember that? Wait, Joe Pesci in what movie?
0: In Goodfellas.
1: Ooh. Oh, you know what? I was thinking I was thinking Pesci in the, um. oh gosh, it was the history of the CIA. What movie was that? The Good oh, Shepherd. The, the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd. So Joe Pesci in The Good Shepherd. You got to watch his clip boys i've been trying to get you to watch that movie The, good the shepherd. Good.
0: i watched the good shepherd i saw i didn't watch the whole movie but i did see the clip you gotta see the whole and I watched movie enough of deep. It.
1: really but okay. anyway so we love joe pesci's roles in films clearly. well joe pesci joe pesci he brings it though well you know
0: what I, I remember joe pesci in goodfellas because there was that one scene i think it was pesci maybe it okay. was. maybe i got it wrong mm-hmm. but there was a part where the guy was like you know like i, I don't have your money because blah 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 he's mm-hmm. like if you pay me yeah. And he's like, yeah, but, but if like, you pay me, if <laughs> you pay me. And that's what black people got to do. If black people okay. really want to get something out of these Democrats who don't respect your ass, uh-huh. they're going to have to literally say, if you pay me, okay. like we will not vote for you. We We don't care what your excuses are. Um, if you can't go get the money, then that's fine. We just won't you'll never get our vote again.
1: Okay, so let me tell you what his scene was in The Good Shepherd. Do you mm. remember?
0: I think I remember he said the Negroes have their music.
1: Yeah, he was like mm. the Irish has their land. He said the niggers, or I don't know how he said it. He said, You they have their music. Isn't that interesting? And he mm. said, Well, what do we have? And he's talking about the white protestant christian you know the wasp he's like we got the united states of america and all y'all just stopping by or something like that
2: so mm. that's a really
1: good scenario about how this country was formed how this country was made and the fact that i don't owe you nothing and i don't love you mm. you know i mean that scene is really heavy so i encourage everybody to go see that scene because that in a nutshell just tells you about how the united states of america operates
0: well if you um, want to know Here's here's the reason why I don't feel sorry for Colin Kaepernick.
1: Okay,
0: I just you know I I'm gonna just be keep it one hundred. Okay, so let me let me actually um I'm actually show you all. This is why Colin Kaepernick is not going yeah, to not. not while the NFL is not a slave auction, you know. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, yes, it's 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 kind of a brutal way to make a living, but it's but it, it does pay well if you're Colin Kaepernick. Well, do you so, think
1: he's a little bitter because they won't yeah, sign him? I, I'd be mad too. I, be, he need I mean, to he, play
2: football. Yeah, he but well, football? he
1: probably
0: loves the game. Okay, you know, he he loves the game, right? So, um, so here's Kaepernick's numbers in terms of. Contract this, uh, the top is 2014 to 2017, the bottom is 2011 to 2014. So, uh, here you can see his contract over six years. His six year contract was 114 million, signing bonus was 12 million, average salary 19 million, total guarantees 61 million. Guaranteed money. When was um, this? Was
1: this, this before was, he took a knee or after he took a knee?
0: This was during like it was during this second contract that he took a knee. I think it was 2016. Because I think he
1: made more money since he took the knee.
0: Well, I mean, he's made. I don't know, he probably has. Okay. Right. But yeah, and then the bottom part is 2011 and 2014. His first contract was four years, five million. His signing bonus was 2.2 million. Uh, average salary 1.2 million. So even when he was making garbage money, you know, he still got a guaranteed 3.8 million, right? So well,
1: cap- 3.8 is nothing compared to 100
0: million. 3.8 million is a lot of money.
1: It is. It is a lot of money.
0: That's a lot of. I mean, sure, it's not. You know, 3.8. It's not a lot of money if you're an NFL quarterback.
1: Mm-hmm. but
0: you know capping struggling right he's not in the struggle right but that doesn't mean he doesn't deserve to be heard right that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that he doesn't have valid points and what I would probably advise him on if he and I were just sitting here rapping and talking, cause I'm not dissing him at all. I'm not saying like, Oh, you're full of crap. You're crazy. No,
1: I don't think you are at all. <clears throat> I think the stuff you're saying, I'm, I'm, it's really poignant voice.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, what I would say with, with like Cap, it. what I would say with Cap, you know, is great. You know, I think the documentary is very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's great that he's telling his story. Um, It's great to hear him talk. I wish he had talked a little more um, before, You know, especially last year, I think a lot of people would have wanted to hear his voice. Um, He did a lot of retweeting Mm -hmm. from other people, stuff like that. And that's not the same as actually speaking up and putting your neck on the line and things like that. But but if you're going to do all that, I really think, you know, be real gangster with it. Like, seriously, like, okay, the white man, you need the white man's approval in the NFL. Why? Mm -hmm. Why? The the Chicago Bears were purchased for like one hundred dollars they're now worth, what, two or three billion or something, mm. right? The the New York Jets, you know, <clears throat> teams like that, major NFL teams worth over a billion dollars were all purchased for, like, a few hundred bucks, maybe a few thousand, you know? So, the you know, we got all these athletes and entertainers that so they wave in front of us on TV, talking about how rich they are, how powerful they are. Well, if you are always taking a knee for the white man it, because you need him to give you his approval for you to play football or do do the thing you love then that to me says you ain't got no real power
1: yeah I was just gonna say where's the power
0: there's no power
1: I don't see the power and I see you know the money being you know that kind of lifestyle that I see a lot of athletes you know having like you can't sustain that Mm -hmm. you know for a long time yeah and and unless you make some really intelligent decisions early on
0: Well, a lot of times, Mm -hmm. I think the reason we don't fully manifest in terms of our power is because, first of all, I don't really know if we know exactly what power looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of people have borrowed power and they think it's real power. Like if somebody puts you on a TV show and they make you famous and give you a little money, you say, look at me, I've got power. But if you ain't really calling the shots, Mm -hmm. then that's not power. Or if you get a fancy job, you're uh, an executive at Merrill Lynch or whatever, and you, you think you have power, but but you don't really have any power because you can't even give your relatives a job without asking for your boss's permission. Mm
1: -hmm. It's an illusion. It's an illusion of power. Right. What
0: power, power, institutional power means the control of institutions. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I am a person who runs a little school that has a thousand kids in it, and I decide what the curriculum is going (laughs) to be, I decide how the class is going to be structured. Who's going to teach there. I have more power with that one school with a thousand kids than I would have if I were, you know, a one. President of a right, or the the head of a university, a mm-hmm. right, or yeah. superintendent of Chicago public schools, Yeah. right. You know, or if I am uh, an athlete, you know, who creates an, a league like you know, Ice Cube has the Big Three and Kanye you know, invested actually in Ice Cube. Oh, big did three. he? Yeah, that's what I just read. Okay. And, you know, you, you and I had personal conversations with both Ice Cube and Kanye. Mm-hmm. We, we know that they subscribe to Powernomics from Dr. Claude Anderson. That's why we, we all know each other is because we all are students of Do- uh, Claude Anderson. Well, that's more power than being a high-ranking official in the NBA of the NFL because the NFL doesn't even have any black owners. So, you know, if you're an owner in the NFL, or part owner, you think you have power, but you don't have power. Because power comes in the ability to change the lives of a significant number of the people where you come from. Like Malcolm X used to say, I don't care how, much, how well the white man treats me. I don't care how much he puts me on TV. I don't care how much money he pays me. If you're not, uh, if I'm not in a position to do the same thing for my people, then I don't accept any of that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, and I don't think, I don't think guys get that.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that feeling powerless is um, is a sad moment because it's it's almost like an illusion of inclusion. (laughs) It's like you think that you're there's so many times I thought that my word meant something at work, (laughs) you know, Mm. like your opinion or your thoughts about something really meant something. But there's actually other people really making the decisions and you ain't at the table. You be thinking, and and there have been times actually very rarely where I did have a, you know, I was able to like have a word and you know what that feels like, Mm -hmm. you know, yes, no, like cut them out. No, they're not going to be here anymore. You know, so that is a certain feeling that you get. Yeah. yeah. I agree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that I've, I've I've been saying this for a little bit. Um, I'll probably keep saying it is, Mm -hmm. you know, whenever I hear an entertainer talk about wealth and power and things like that my question to them would be you know how many thousands of jobs have you created for black people Mm -hmm. or how many hundreds of jobs have you created Mm -hmm. you know um elon musk is powerful he's created a million jobs jeff bezos is powerful he's created a million jobs for mostly white people um how many black people how many black celebrities do we have that have created thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs Mm -hmm. or do we just have prominent black people who get attention by complaining about their white boss, right? Mm -hmm. That's what that is, you know? Like, so I think with Kaepernick, I would have challenged the guys. I would have said, you know, why do you need a white man's permission to play football? Mm -hmm. Oh, because what? Because the white man owns the 49ers. That's his brand. The white man owns the NFL. That's his brand. Well, where's your motherfucking brand? Mm -hmm. Where's your institution? Mm -hmm. You know, you, 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 you know where you can go find a football field. You can get people to watch the game, you
1: can get a lot, watch the game. You can get people to watch the game, sponsor it. You can get people to play the game. People are just always talent out there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's uh, nothing
1: but a thing. He could have used his money to do that. That's yeah. what he was really right after. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Like it's, it's, you know, it's just like, um, think about it. It's like, if I'm playing in a basketball game and mm-hmm. I don't like the way the game's being run, I don't like the rules. I don't, mm-hmm. I feel like the refs are cheating or whatever. Yeah. Am I going to keep playing the game and bitching? Or am I going to grab my ball and go home? I'm like, No,
1: what you're going to do is do a documentary on it so, so, that you can tell on, so that you can tell on people.
0: You know what I would do? You
1: can tell on white would, people being white. Somebody,
0: <laughs> I would grab my ball and I would be like, I got a court near my house and yeah. my friends are going to be the referees on this court. If you want to play me, you come to my house. I'm not playing at your house. Period. <laughs> And, and the reason a lot, I think the reason that, that we don't have that, that vision all the time is because it's, it's where, where people are into the fast, easy route to the big money, mm-hmm. right? Like you can go out and get an NFL contract and get, you know, $50 million, $100 million because white man's ready to write you that check, right? But in, order, in, in terms of doing the grind necessary to build your own NBA or your own NFL, where you're not making, you know, $30 million a year, you might lose $10 million a year. You know, for a little while, or you might only make two million a year. A lot of guys don't want to take that pay cut, right? So, so ultimately, so like Angel, Angel asked a good question. She says, Where's your league, Dr. Boyce? Yeah. Well, that's a great question. Excellent question. Well, Angel. you
1: know, okay? No, let no, me. Sh- well, let me. Show I want to an- say something. Well, let me. Show. Can I, I respond to
0: that? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead.
1: You got your league because you weren't playing at Syracuse. No, they wouldn't let you that's play. That's my
0: motherfucking league. That's
1: what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> yeah, y'all saw my league. Not, uh, we, we. ain't. We didn't ask nobody's <laughs> it. We the all black national convention angels. So you should. You should have been there. It was amazing. That that's our league. Yeah, like, you know. I was yeah. gonna say that. Go mm-hmm. ahead. No, that's
1: say- what I was go- just gonna say. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. That's okay. You stole my thunder a little bit, but that's all right. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> you got my all love. got all excited, didn't you, boys? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just <laughs> like, no, I I haven't. I
0: I, I don't even know what it feels like to be under the white man's thumb like that. I I just, I mean, I'm not saying, Mm -hmm. you know, here's the thing. I mean, and when I did that, it wasn't easy. It was like, yeah, yeah, I walked away from a very high salary. I walked away from quote unquote job security. I walked away from, you know, easy status and credibility. But as a result of pouring into myself and pouring into my community, I own, I own about eight brands that I wouldn't sell for less than a million dollars.
2: Mm -hmm. like seriously
0: even my even my name is worth millions of dollars now right and and that's what i'm saying when i talk about these guys like so cap is mad because he can't play for the 49ers well maybe that's god's way of saying that you're supposed to start your own team in your own league
1: that would be so great like how he got to do is just follow what ice cube did yeah he could just follow i wonder do they know each other that would be really interesting like he could just follow that we would sponsor something wouldn't we yeah. I mean, you know, if he support, started his own league, I would support it.
0: Oh, of course. I mean, yes, I think, honestly. I think that here's the thing, right? It'd be wonderful. Like, like in order to build a, um, mm-hmm. in order to build a sports league it, and make, a, make millions of dollars, right? Right off the bat, mm-hmm. you, you wouldn't make the money that you're making now, right? Cause it's profitable to sell yourself into slavery, right? It's profitable just to go to the white man and say, sign me up for your team and you give me the big contract because he's got the infrastructure. He's been around. He's been doing this for 100 years. Mm -hmm. But, you know, but if you if if LeBron and let's say LeBron and his 10 richest friends all got together and said, let's create an NBA, a version of the NBA.
1: Ooh, like the Negro Leagues, like the Negro Baseball League. Yeah, yeah, but it wouldn't have to be called the Negro Leagues. Yeah, but I'm just referring back to the the Negro League.
0: Yeah, yeah. So if they decided to create their own sports league, right? and then what, what do you need well first of all you need to have a basketball court i don't know what do y'all think do y'all think do you think you can get um you think you can get a basketball court
1: or an yeah. arena
0: i'm kidding i'm being silly <laughs> that right we no you don't even need an arena you, like do you know like rucker rucker um park in new york
2: mm-hmm.
0: like all the legends play at rucker park they could televise games at rucker park you know because rucker park's famous like that right? or
1: we can watch it in the metaverse boys. Stop that. Be quiet. So, so seriously. <laughs> okay, picture. go ahead. No, mm-hmm. no, I'm serious.
0: I'm serious. Okay. So they, they, you know, so you all you need is a court. <laughs> you mm-hmm. need some basketball players. We got plenty of those. And then you need an audience. Well, if LeBron and 10 of his richest friends all got together, they got probably a billion followers on social media. That's your audience. You just broadcast the games on social media. And then at that point you start making money because corporations will go wherever the audience is Mm -hmm. so you go to the corporations and you say we got you know we had a game last week and 18 million people watched it they're gonna want to sponsor that then then you're making your money and you've got all these businesses that are built out of that like you think about the all black national convention Mm -hmm. we could we sold out of vendor spots quickly yeah because people came where the people were coming the vendors came where the people were so they were like, "Oh, we we have a black owned business. We're going to sell our products at the convention because there are all these black people there, right?" So what happens is that when you gather people together, you create your own economy. So like a lot of money, sure, we you know uh, you know our organization was able to make the money back that we invested, but a lot of people made a ton of money at that convention. Jay Ortiz, the rapper out of Philly, he made four thousand dollars. That selling, is so great selling his artwork. Yeah. 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 So, so what my point is to say, like, let me, I'm see. I got a picture of Jay. That's Jay Ortiz, by the way. Jay was at the convention. He's a cool dude. Very smart guy. He's like a visionary, very Kanye Westish. He's right? so
1: creative. That's, super, the, super that's creative. the biggest thing. Yeah. His creativity. I mean, he just lives in that creative space. That's yeah. He's pretty super, cool. very
0: creative. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I mean, so, so my point is to say that, you know, I, I, I think that the guys and I, I'm not, mad at them. I think that maybe you always make jokes. You always say that because I'm 50, I shake my fist at the air. Yeah,
1: don't like, shake your fist in the air. So I'm not shaking my fist look at the much
0: air. Older than you know 50. what you know what it is? Uh-huh. It makes me want to I wish I could like really talk to them. I've been to a few <laughs> athletes. There's a few athletes I talked. There was one brother that played um, for the University of Michigan that um uh he was like I don't know if he's an NFL or not. I think he played for a little while, but he, um he has this really cool business. And we were talking, I'd like to talk to them more about sovereignty and what that looks like. Right. You know, like, um like I talked to somebody, you know, it's pretty well known. And I said, why are those NBA players all wearing those black lives matter t-shirts? And he said, well, you know how it is. The teams, the teams make them do it. And I said, okay, I kind of get that. But you know, when it comes to an important issue in terms of how to express your blackness, I don't really think that a guy who makes 20 million a year can say, I'm only doing this because my boss told me to do it. Like, you know, like manhood and masculinity, part of that in my view and real power means the ability to kind of manifest.
1: Well, they had to do something. They couldn't lose all those players.
2: Yeah, They they had to do something
1: to kind of like make them feel like, Hey, we're in your corner. (laughs) We hear you. Yeah, they did. They had to do something because they knew they could not, have a bunch of disgruntled black people on their teams, yeah, joining yeah. joining together. <laughs> yeah, and <but> no, <laughs> that could not have that movement needed to have been squashed. That's right?
0: true. But the thing was that mm-hmm. that a lot of like the real black folks who are really out in the streets, really doing the work, really building in the community, they saw right through the black. Lives yeah, they Matter did. Movement. They were like, "Oh no, this is the LGBT movement that has put a black face on it." Mm-hmm. You know, and this was not our movement. And yeah. if you notice. The Black Lives Matter movement has pretty much all but disappeared after the election. Well, it was, we
1: started wondering, like, where did Black Lives Matter come from? Who's funding this? Right. You know, why is this? Why is this such an organized organization that popped out of nowhere? Like, right. And now <laughs> that it's don't gone. Make sense. Now it's <laughs> gone.
0: It was designed to win an election.
1: It was designed to neutralize us.
0: Right. Black Lives Matter was a movement <laughs> that was pretty much created because they were trying to get Trump out of office
1: Gosh. now
0: and Biden can get Biden into office.
2: Mm-hmm. Now that
0: they got Biden into office, even the, the Black Lives Matter leadership can't even get him on the phone. Remember, they were talking about how they were trying to talk to the Biden administration. <laughs> after they used them up like a bunch of. Homes? They
1: were attached at the hip. Yeah. Come the election. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And, and so so what I what I said to the guy was, I said. These black men need to have their own movement. They you need really to be do. the leadership and the decision makers in that movement. Don't follow somebody else's lead because there's a lot of Trojan horses out here,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know. And I think with um, with Cap, I, I think he's on. The, he's trying to be on the right path, but mm-hmm. I think you when you're talking about quote unquote leadership, the question is what are the deliverables of that leadership. You know, mm-hmm. and I don't know what the deliverables are.
1: Yeah, I mean, it really. Yeah, I mean, look at look at Colin Kaepernick. I mean, he's dressed like a Black Panther, right. <laughs> like someone in the Black Panther party with their big afro. So he has like the optics. Yeah, of yeah. something that's oh, you yeah. know, it's
0: cool. His afro is <laughs> like the coolest thing ever, and the core roles are
1: cool. They're... And who's the lady? Is that is that's that his girlfriend. lady? Her name's Vanessa or something. Gosh, they look like twins. <laughs> yeah, they do. They, do <laughs> they look, look so, like so much alike. Yeah, so
0: yeah, she tweets. She tweets for him all the time.
1: Really? Yeah, that's that, her job. is
0: to tweet I for him. The maybe tweeter. I should.
1: I should get a Twitter account and tweet for you boys.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe you should. That's um. That's <laughs> uh. That's it. those are his parents. The nice people that adopted him
1: They yeah. They were they were kind of clueless about what was going on with black people. They, I, I'm, they I just were, couldn't. They were. They were like and, read a history book or something. Yeah, that's true. Well, at least they
0: were portrayed as clueless. Yeah. But I kind of. I don't know. I, I I guess maybe learning his culture would have helped for sure. And also, you have Struggling to question.
2: Alone,
0: you have to question a little bit about you know when white folks are adopting black babies. But at the same time, um, I'd rather have a black baby adopted by a white family that loves them than to have them in the system, right? Yeah, that's true. And yeah. you know, and also, once again, to be honest with you, if I were to adopt a white child, which I don't know why I would. But if I were, I wouldn't spend time teaching him how to be white. It wouldn't be a priority for me. I would teach him just how to be a good person.
1: Well, that would know. be that would be doing the child a disservice. I mean, there are a lot of white people who have very strong uh, cultural heritage, you know, with Italian culture and, I don't know, uh, Polish culture. <laughs> you know, I mean, you should... You should, I think when you adopt someone, you should try to get into like where they came from and their origin and try to help them to develop their own identity because you don't want them lost when they grow up. That's true. So that would be doing them a disservice, boys.
0: Yeah, it would be. It would be. <laughs> By the way, yeah. um, this is Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. And I'm Dr. Boyce Watkins. This is my wife, Dr. Alicia she is a licensed couples counselor and full professor of social work and my PhDs in finance in case you want to know our backgrounds and where we're coming from. Um, and also Alicia's website and Instagram is coaching with Dr. Alicia. Mm-hmm. So you can go to coaching with Dr. if you want to check her out and see what she's up to. And, um, she counsels couples and stuff like that. Um, if you could please hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, thumbs up, thumbs up, please do that right now. <laughs> All right. So, um, you know, so let me just kind of I, I probably feel like, you know, when it came comes to Kaepernick's documentary, I almost wish I could have made like a list, like a short list of the things that I observed. You know, yeah, and, we
1: should have been taking notes because it was a right. lot in there.
0: Right, and and yeah. first of all, it was well produced. It's worth watching. Would yeah, Ava
1: DuVernay. Come on. Yeah, well,
0: Ava DuVernay. Is totally you know she's great. good. We well, you know. You know, Madam President, who came to the convention, she worked with Ava DuVernay and Tyler Perry and
2: mm-hmm.
1: Oprah.
0: An Oprah, mm-hmm. Oprah, Ava DuVernay, and Tyler Perry. Yeah, Madam President was at the convention. Um, so, you know, I would say that it's worth watching, and shout out, you know, to Ava DuVernay for doing what she does. Um, and I think that there is a role for, mm-hmm. um. What was done in this documentary, right? I think that what is oversold to us as white people, which has not proven to give us any progress in real power, is this um over over commitment to integrationist ideologies related to like things like white allies.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that we should sit around being mad at white people, and I'm not saying that we should separate from white people. I'm just saying that the answer to your oppression, does not lie within getting acceptance from your oppressor, right? The, 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 oppressor, the oppression will not end because the oppressor decides to just be nice to you and to accept. And give you.
1: them your house.
0: Right. <laughs> come, he,
1: come on in.
0: Right. The, yeah. We
1: stole this house from you. Just come on in.
0: Yeah. Yeah. They're not going to give you their house. They're not, yeah. not going to see you as their equal
1: yeah. and
0: and they shouldn't. Why? Because think about it. It, it, I have a house, right? I run a business. It's a Black-owned business. The Black business with Boys wagons Enterprises is very Black. You know, if you come into my company and you're white, you're going to probably have to adjust to our culture.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, like, like this is our house. We built this house. This is B1 Black First. Black First could be accused of being Black supremacist. <laughs> you know, I mean, you could say that. Right. And I'm not going to say it is or isn't. But what I will say is, you know, that black people, instead of trying to fit into the white man's house, we need to learn how to build our own house mm-hmm. and then let them fit into our shit. You know, and so so I, I kind of feel like, um, like, I think that Ava DuVernay's documentary, The 13th, was very important.
1: I could not sit through it. It was just too. I got through like the first 10 minutes and I turned it off. I just couldn't get through the, She well, did the 13th?
0: Was it called the 13th? Or? I
1: didn't think she did. I thought she did the one with the the four boys in New York. She, she was, was accused of raping. she did. I think she did that too. That that um lady. She did 13. I didn't know she did. 13. I think so.
0: They, when they that did was 13, really
1: hard. It was like a horror film.
0: I can't watch it because okay. it, I already know everything that's in it.
2: Yeah,
1: and know? I don't want to relive that. Yeah, it's see that, that's the thing. Here's, it hurts to relive that. Well, here's what
0: you know, um here's what I've noticed, right? When you talk about race, there are these classes of black people who make content so they can educate white people. Mm-hmm. You know, like Ken, when Ken Do Isaacs wrote his book on anti-racism and uh, somebody sent it to me because I was actually in it. He, he mentioned me somewhere near the end of the book. It became this New York times bestseller.
1: Oh, the new racism or something. It's uh, something on okay.
0: anti-racism. I right. don't know. Mm-hmm. And, what I conclude from books like that is that they're designed to educate white people
2: okay, and
0: they're educating them with this, what I believe this false hope that white people will see the light. They're going to change their systems and they're going to start treating black people well. And I don't believe in that, that fight. I believe that what matters is not how white people treat black people, but as George Fraser says, it's, it's about how black people treat black people.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I think that we are the key. You're
1: you're advocating for non-participation in their system. I'm
0: saying that if you don't like a system, get the fuck out the system.
1: Okay.
0: You know, Mm -hmm. systems are created. Why am I? Why am I even investing in your system if I don't Mm -hmm. want? If it's not working for me. Mm -hmm. You know, Um, it's like if you're not, you know, if 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 you're being, you know, disrespected in a marriage, you know, some say you should get a new marriage. You Mm -hmm. know, Um, if you are, if you're disrespected on your job why are you <laughs> do, do you have to do you have yeah. to be at
1: that job yeah you know well hey last i heard that's exactly what people are doing yeah they're like they're like yeah i got the great out. resignation <laughs> the great resignation and people are like i'm done with this yeah you, no, me, you gave again. me a chance to sit at home and do nothing mm-hmm. and sit and think and contemplate while we while i try to stay away from this um pandemic and um, the virus, you know, I'm trying to stay away from it all. I'm sitting at home thinking, but
0: you know, it reminds me of like, mm-hmm. like a really bad relationship where the couple takes a break and then they realize then they this was way better. The person's <laughs> like, I am not so much fun without you.
1: <laughs> I've moved on to someone else.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> Thank
1: you. Thank you for letting us, we br- get some yep. space.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's right. That's right.
1: Yeah. And, and then there's so many people who are realizing that I can get the work done in my house. And then some, yeah. And then get all get all this other stuff done because you waste so much time commuting back and forth. It's just ridiculous. So yeah, yeah, yeah I totally get it. So well, people are waking up.
0: Well, people are. Um, I'm not a Marxist, right? Okay. But I've studied enough Marxism to appreciate some of the good yeah. ideas of Marxism,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and uh, Marxist and Marx did a really good job of critiquing capitalism by kind of basically making a very simple point that this is my. My limited interpretation of some small aspect of what he said, and I this is because of some I've always said, you know God did not put you on this earth to spend most of your waking hours serving a corporate a corporation
2: mm-hmm.
0: and sitting on the corporate plantation. You were just trained to believe that's what you're supposed to do, Whoa. you know. And and so when people get a chance to know what life is like without
2: mm-hmm. the corporation
0: being the center of their existence, mm-hmm. they say, "Man, I like this. This is this is great." and they don't go back.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what Colin Kaepernick, um, he started his documentary with that point. He's like, we've all been conditioned. We've all been conditioned to serve Mm
2: -hmm. other
1: people, not ourselves, but to serve other people's interests. That was the very first episode of the documentary. So there's some poignant parts in there. I I really like the part where um, he was trying to be, he had challenges in his life trying to be a quarterback. And, you know, he's like, I want to be the best quarterback and what he did to kind of overcome Mm -hmm. you know so that was good that was really good like i like watching those instances because i related to my life and i related to what i see other people go through you know all of those little challenges and you overcome them and you're better for it
0: well you know i respect colin as an athlete because he um was able to i mean anybody that can become an nfl quarterback and and win the Super Bowl.
1: That's a big deal. It's
0: usually pretty extraordinary what he does, you know. So I you know, just as myself being a former athlete, like I was really you know, I was really in Oh, that's right,
1: that. you're a track star life.
0: I was I, I was not a track star.
1: You were a track star. In my head, when I explain you to people You know, I'm like, oh, he was a track star in high school.
0: Well, baby, that means you will be lying. I'm not lying. I was, I was, no cap, no cap. You know, I was captain. I was actually a cap. I was captain of my track team. That's right. And, but I was not, I was not captain because I was a star. You know, I was captain because I, um, I had a good work ethic and I was very mature for my age. Were you really? Yeah, yeah, I was smart. All them dummies.
1: Seriously, oh, calling people they would like
0: just be doing stupid stuff. Like I'd be like, "Why are you going out and getting drunk every night? Like you're gonna die in a car crash." Like, well, seriously. you know, so they so, was
1: kicking it, having fun.
0: Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> now
0: you're kicking it in prison. <laughs>
1: they not but, in, Okay, just because you drink. Well, you know, I got shoot,
0: girl, Please, I got I got friends. When you're a black man, you gotta be careful. Because I got friends in jail, friends that got killed, friends that are on dope. You know, Agree. So, so What's
1: gotta, up with your friends? I well, don't have my friends living
0: their best life. Yeah, yeah. Being a black man is tough. I mean, you know. So I think that some of what Cap, I mean, like I think overall, mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick is represents more good than bad, right? I really agree. I, I think I would love to okay.
1: coach him. I yes, would, that's what I was on, saying. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. You come. Uh-huh.
0: I would love to coach him on how to take your blackness to the next level. Like, every time you find that the white man has built a barrier to you, how do you get around that barrier, mm-hmm. you know, and, and do it in a way where your sacrifice doesn't just benefit Colin Kaepernick, right? Colin, Colin's going to be fine. Colin in the NFL, that was pretty much just a labor dispute. He was, he was <laughs> pissed off because they took his job. And yeah. so so he goes and he's protesting to say, they took my job. And people say, we're going to boycott the NFL because we want you to give Colin Kaepernick back his job. Well, Colin Kaepernick getting his job back doesn't do a whole lot for the black community. Now, Colin Kaepernick leaving his job and starting a professional sports league with, you know, with his celebrity friends. Now that impacts the black community. Yes. Yes. Or Colin Kaepernick saying, you know, convincing Nike to give him, you know, a $300 million fund to build Black owned schools run by black people with no strings attached all across the United States. That, that would be great. Man, right. Or Colin Kaepernick mm-hmm. forcing uh, Nike to give him millions of dollars, like three, four hundred million dollars to make loans to black owned businesses. Oh, right. That again, would be nice. again, and the key idea though, it has to be done with no strings attached. Because typically, mm-hmm. when the white man gives out his money, he tells you what to do with that money. He influences you with his economic power. He does it all around the world, and that's how. That's why black people are under um, so much oppression. Is because
1: yeah, because it's like you got to get on our agenda, right? And if you do not help push our agenda ahead, then goodbye to you. We're right. <laughs> on to the next one.
0: Right, right, right. Yeah. So, so to me, the million dollar question of whether or not you're you can't free, be
1: hating on them.
0: But he, right. So mm-hmm. here's 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 the, here's the thing, right? The million dollar question of whether or not you're a free black man or black woman. One of them. One of the million dollar questions could be, could you take the money that you have and write a check for $10 million to the Nation of Islam and not have white people cancel you? If you could do that Mm -hmm. and still keep it moving, then that to me is a free black man. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Because
0: we know that we, you know, you might not agree with everything with the Nation of Islam or whatever. But we know that Black people love Farrakhan in the nation. And
1: respect them. Right.
0: Right. Even people that don't like them respect them. White people can't stand it. White people mislabel them. As and a we're hate confused.
1: People. Like, what do you mean?
0: Right, right. Oh, Farrakhan's out what? killing people. He's dangerous. He's doing
1: nothing. What are you talking about? No, all kill more people. Than right. <laughs> you're
0: dangerous. No, your yeah. your oxycontin is dangerous. Your your big <laughs> your big pharma is dangerous. Like, oh, you know, your greasy ass food is dangerous. That kills black people.
1: GMO. Farrakhan <laughs>
0: ain't killed nobody. Like, so stop it. Seriously. So 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 here's the thing. My point is to say that that. That's one of the litmus tests you can use to say, Mm -hmm. you know, are you truly, do you truly have, because I can, I I speak positively about the nation all day, every day. I had, I had brothers, I had Riza Islam at the convention. I know he's on the FBI, CIA watch list. I did not give a shit. Uh, Nuri Muhammad was up there. Nuri Muhammad is a high ranking official. He's on, I think he might be on the no fly list or something like that. So, so they don't like him either. I did not care.
1: It right? doesn't seem like they care. They have big smiles on their face.
0: They didn't, we had a great time. Right. <laughs> we had a great time because those are good people.
1: Yeah, they were. Those are good
0: people, and 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 it's
1: only yeah.
0: it's only sort of that weird um, weirdness of America that takes good black people and somehow morphs them into bad black people. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you it's know? okay because we see them. We see you. We see you, Nuri. We see you. We see you as you are, mm-hmm. and we accept you. Yeah. And that's why he had a smile on his face. He could care less <laughs> about yeah, but, a no-fly list. Or whatever yeah, you name all—you
2: name
0: all those brothers. I named yeah. Nuri, um, Riza, Farrakhan. I have spent a significant amount of time
1: mm-hmm.
0: with all those brothers, and whether you disagree with them or not, you know those are good people. They
1: really are. But
0: They are. I mean, they are. They greet you with a smile. They're very friendly, very helpful, very supportive, and 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 so you know. I think I use the Nation of Islam as a litmus test, right? Right. Because you can go to a lot of college campuses, though, where the black people have been trained to consider the Nation of Islam to be a hate group, and that to me is a result of the brainwashing and the indoctrination. I, I told you when I spoke at um, University of California, Long Beach with Farrakhan, and the black students had been um, brought in to protest.
2: Mm-hmm. They they
0: chose to come in and protest Farrakhan by disrespecting him they, they all came in and took a seat and then got up and walked out in the middle of his speech you know and and, and to me I, th- I found that to be interesting because what occurs is that a lot of times i think the reason we're not liberated is because the path that we think will lead to our liberation is actually leading to our incarceration psychologically
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: you know you think you're hustling forward but really you're hustling backward and that's why your community has not made any progress in the last 60 years despite the fact that you got more educated Black people than ever, despite the fact that you got more Black politicians than ever, despite the fact that you got, you know, all these Black Lives Matter and everything else popping off, where's the progress? You ain't have, you ain't getting no progress. You mm-hmm. know, and I, so I think that we don't, you, in order to make progress, you got to know what progress looks like. Period.
1: Mm-hmm. What do you think, babe? Gotcha. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Yeah you ready for our race tomorrow? I'm yeah. I'm thinking about this nine miles. 15K tomorrow. Boys. Oh, my
0: God. She talked me into doing 15K. I
1: did not talk you into it. I just said, do you want to do it? Yes or no? And you said yes.
0: Yeah, I'm going to do it. Well, I'll do anything for you.
1: You You don't have to do it for me.
0: Well, you talked me into it.
1: My love for you is not dependent mm-hmm. on whether you do a 15K.
0: It's like what Belle Bivreau said. Never trust a big button to smile. And you had both. I'm poison.
1: It's you like are. What you me. You might be. Yeah. Oh my gosh, no! You don't blame me. All I did was ask a question. You could have denied. Poison. You said no. Poison. put
0: po- po- poison. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. So um, we that, gotta
1: get to bed too. We do. We do. We do. No, I mean I agree with you, boys. It just makes sense. Um, we'll see what the rest of this documentary goes. I mean, it seems like it's going through his development, his stages of development, and I want to see what the second half is going to be. Uh, give us,
0: yeah. I think I think Cap is is, is does more good than harm, yeah. right? And I think the Cap uh, it I took th- courage. I think the documentary is worth it. watching. Yeah, and I think it took mm-hmm. courage. Um, I look forward to seeing the next step of his evolution, right? Like I mm-hmm. think that um, now that people are understanding things like wealth, etc. You know, you're starting to incorporate that into our black civil rights movements. And what I encourage people to also do is make sure that when you're talking about liberating black people in America, you're not overborrowing ideologies from other people that have used black people as political pawns. Right. Mm -hmm. Like Republican Democrats, getting too caught up in that, you know, you're, you're just being used. The Republicans use you, the Democrats use you. Um, if you talk about even Marxism, the fact that the black lives matter leadership, were a bunch of trained or a group of trained Marxists, mm-hmm. um, you know, Marxism is not the same as what we are going through as black people in our struggle, right? Black leadership does not have to come, you know, as Marxism in blackface or capitalism in blackface, right? It needs to come with blackness in a blackface. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, because when you start telling me that all rich people are evil, which that's kind of unfortunately that's that's the way the Marxist message gets sort of warped sometimes is that you know that that businesses are bad and wealthy people are terrible. Well, then what happens is you run into what I call the Shine King dilemma. The Shine King dilemma was that uh, the way people exposed him and ended up tearing him down is he spent he and Patrice Cullors, the head of Black Lives Matter, they spent a lot of time trying to do what they thought was good work on behalf of the black community and then next thing you know white republicans are calling them out because they they live in a nice house Mm -hmm. um i don't believe that black being that being black and being powerful means you need to live in a raggedy house there's nothing about being black that says you got to be raggedy there's nothing about being black that says you got to be poor nothing about being black that says that your life has to be miserable You can be rich like Colin Kaepernick and have millions of dollars in the bank and still be the blackest person in the room. So I I personally think that as black people, we've got to define Mm -hmm. our own movements, Mm -hmm. you know, get in a room, figure out who the hell we want to be and then tell the world who we are instead of allowing people to bring their Mm -hmm. prepackaged ideology Mm -hmm. and using black people to push forward with their agenda. Because we always get thrown off the bus. We get put at the back of the bus, and then when the bus gets to the bus stop, they throw us off of it.
1: Mm-hmm. That's why B1, right? So, I mean, I think that um, with the capitalist system, it's just exploitation of workers. I think that's the biggest one. It's mm-hmm. like the salaries are so suppressed. yeah. And you're just working in this factory, and you're not even making enough money to feed your family. And you're working every day hard every day. And you see the people at the top, like, really eating good.
2: You mm-hmm. know I
1: mean that's going to create this Marxist sort of movement, yeah, people are just sick of it, yeah. yeah
0: yeah yeah i mean i don't I don't in any way um defend the way capitalism's done in america it's it's mm-hmm. getting worse every single generation, and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos have become the Rockefeller and Carnegie of our time, yeah, and it's not it's not healthy, it's not good for America, but again, that's a little bit different in my view from what black people are trying to do. You know, Mm -hmm. we're not out here trying to conquer the whole world. We're just trying to maintain our sovereignty, which means that we we have our own space where we get to make the decisions. Again, Black Core 3, educate our own children, create our own jobs, support Black businesses. If you start with those three things, then you can get 80% of what you need as Black people. Mm -hmm. All right, guys we're about to get out of here um uh hit the thumbs up button share subscribe button my instagram is the real boys walking some of you are asking where you can get my this the most cool t-shirts i showed you i showed you, or I showed you my one? this one right here where i i, I, I actually that was when i made um
1: did you make that one
0: yeah 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 because i because i was like oh not, my not.
1: goodness yeah i
0: would have democrats accusing me of being a republican and republicans accusing me of being a democrat and i basically let them all know like no i'm 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 I vote for the black party. That's it's it. so
1: funny, you know, when you wear that shirt in public, white people mm-hmm. just look at you like, mm.
0: <laughs> "Yeah." Have you noticed? No, I haven't. I okay, care. I've noticed. Yeah, I don't even. I I, I give. I just don't care. I, yeah. I I don't even care enough about what other people. Not think even too. just
1: white, just people in general. Yeah, they, they just kind of give you a, a side. They, right. they they turn their head to the side, like, huh?
0: Right, but my people yeah. get it, and that's all that matters to me.
1: No, I mean, I think people yeah. do get it. Is mm. what I'm saying. Oh, you but I just they get think it. they're okay. just they're like okay
0: a little bit thrown off yeah to that the nerve of you boys no but well the nerve the nerve of a (laughs) black man to actually have his own mind oh my god yeah so anyway wokeblacktees.com that's where you can actually get a shirt like that if you want to we have a bunch of smart alecky shirts just go take a look at the page (laughs) and, and if you if you're a smart aleck like me you you probably enjoy the shirts all right guys we're about to go and um and also i'll mention alicia's um website and her Instagram is coaching with Dr. Alicia. So feel free to go to coaching with Dr. Alicia.com if you want to see more about, about Alicia. All right, guys, please hit the thumbs up, share, subscribe button. I'm out of here guys. Uh,
2: we will talk to you later.
1: See okay. You soon. Goodbye, everyone.